Welcome to Charleston Church Down East Weekly Podcast. For more information about us, visit charlestonchurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to welcome Pastor Paul from Charleston Church this morning. I know he has a word for you, and I'm so, I honestly say this, I am very grateful for Paul. He always hears from God. You'll never have him behind a pulpit that he hasn't heard from God and have a word specifically for you. So uh, go ahead and be attentive and enter in. And Paul, appreciate you. Can you let Pastor Joel and Carrie know you love them so much? You guys are blessed. Blessed. And Joel, uh, during his... Yes. You know what? I believe this is a church that just heard that we shouldn't rob God, Joel. And I believe you just did. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, 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 do they start back there or they come up front? What do we do? Why don't you come on up to the front and stop? And they'll go, no, I'm just kidding. Dana, how's your heart? It's healing. Well, it, come on. Lift, uh, lift your hand up before the Lord. Lift your hand up. Jesus, I pray for Dana in your name that you would bring a speedy recovery, Lord, one that confounds medical science. Give him, give him decades more, not just years, but decades more of, of fruitful ministry and fruitful living. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to sow into your kingdom. And Lord, we know that you're faithful to return it to us. And Lord, we, we thank you so much that as we give, you give in return. But Lord, we want to touch the world. And the best way to touch the world is to provide for those that are touching the world. And that's what we're doing right now in Jesus' name. Shout a good amen. 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 You go ahead and take up the offering. That was fun. <laughs> Don't rob God. Okay, Paul, you can preach now. All right, he's your pastor. Respect him. We must respect, respect. But as, uh, as Pastor Joel was um, exhorting you all before he came up and kind of took the offering, um, he started, <laughs> I'm not going to let it go for a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll let it go eventually. But as he was speaking and as he was kind of exhorting you, he, he preached my message that I want to preach to you today because and it's an important one. Uh, the message I'm preaching you today, I've just entitled it simply, Who Am I? Because, well, let's just go back to here. I was a youth pastor for about 13 years. So I dealt with teenagers from, the, from 2005 to 2018. That's like 13, right? Something like, yeah. 2000, math is hard. That's why I went into the ministry. <laughs> math. And I witnessed the ravages of poor identity and what it did to a generation of people who got up in the morning and were told they were too fat, too skinny, too small, too stupid, too whatever to be what God wanted them to be. And so they embraced things this world offered them because they didn't know where else to go. And you know, as a young 20-something-year-old preacher, which I'm not that anymore, I thought it was just relegated to this young generation because adults... We're smarter than that. <laughs> We're smarter. We're adults. We know who we are in Christ. We know what, what God did in our life. But then as I got older and began to see 
25-year-olds, 35-year-olds, dare I say 45 and 55-year-olds struggling with the same identity crisis. Who am I in Christ? Why do I struggle? Let me ask you a question. Why do, if we serve a God who's big, bigger than sin, bigger than addiction, bigger than fear, bigger than disease, bigger than worry, all that stuff, if we really serve a God like that, how come so many believers wake up every morning carrying the weight of the world? Because they have an identity crisis. They need to know who they are, not who they used to be. You know? Who you are, not who you used to be. Today, I want to share with you three sections. Not just points. These are sections. Oh, monstrous. Three sections. Because I want to tell you who you are. I want to tell you what you face. And I want to tell you how to get over it. That sounds pretty simple, right? Who you are, what you face, and how to get over it. So let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I'm going to lay a scripture here on you that many of you know and many of us forget. Not that we forget what it says. We forget how to apply it to our lives. We forget how to make it part of our lives. We forget how to actually make this scripture a life verse for us, which is why we struggle. Let me tell you, I was preaching at my brother's church a few years ago, and there was a heaviness in that building. It was, it was something that God was dealing with, and it was fantastic. And I said from a pulpit, I said, if you don't have joy and you're a Christian, you're doing it wrong. If you don't have joy in your life, it's not that you're a bad person. It's not that God doesn't love you. He loves you beyond to heaven and back. You know, the Bible says he's taken your sin as far as east is to west, which there is no, you know, you know why he said east to west? Because if you walk north enough on our planet, you eventually will go south. But if you walk east, you can walk east forever and ever and ever and ever. He's taken your sin and your shame and your pain and your worry so far away from you that you can never achieve it again. That's what God did for you. But if you wake up every morning in, in sorrow and shame and worry and frustration and anxiety, we're missing something because the strength of being a believer is found in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. Brother Webb, you know what that's all about. You know what it's like to have the joy of the Lord, to get up in the morning and be like, yeah, I'm ready to do something. You know, you have a bum knee right now, but the Lord's bringing you out of it, and you're going to be better than ever. And you're okay with it. It's the, whatever it was, it wasn't a word from the Lord. It was just me seeing you with the thing there. You know, it's all right. It's okay. But you, you, you know that this is not the end. You know the struggles you face. But you see, we understand that the things we face aren't from God, aren't meant for us. But what happens is it gets into our past and it gets into our mind and it gets into our heart and we start embracing that and saying, this is who I am. I am depressed. I am anxious. I am an addict. I can't get over it because this is just who I am. I was born the, right, the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong area. And I'm here to tell you that's not God's voice. That's not God's voice for you. So I want to tell you a little bit. Therefore, if anyone, everybody say anyone. anyone. Last time I checked, anyone means anyone. Anyone is in Christ. He is a, or she, all inclusive here, baby. A new creation. A new creation. Do you guys ever have anything new in your life? Oh, you know, I love getting new electronics because I'm a tech nerd. I like that. But I also love peeling 
the, 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 the real, like, thin plastic off, like, a TV. Man, it's so cool. You put it up there, and you see this thing all around here, and you're like, oh, yes, oh, and you're just, like, so satisfying. No, it doesn't take much at all. I'm simple. But you see, you do that. That, that it just, it's, it's different than when you get some old beat-up TV from your next-door neighbor that has, you know, dirt on it and cigarette butt stains and just a big crack in it. You put it on the wall, and you say, this is the best I've got. The Lord says, no, I got a new thing for you. You see, he's not taking your old, washed-up, broken life and saying, let me fix it. He's saying, let me take what you used to be, cast it aside, and let me make you brand new. You can pull the plastic off your spirit because you're brand new in Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo! Oh, you guys are easy to preach, too. I may never leave, but Joel's your pastor, so whatever. So I want to talk to you about who you are. Everybody say, who am I? Well, the Bible says in Romans 8, 16 to 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we, everybody say we, we, we are children of God. You know what that means? That's huge. I don't know if some of you came from broken homes and you have a bad experience with your father. My youngest son, Sammy, found out I was coming here. And he said, Daddy, I want to come and I want to see Pastor Zach. So he's over there right now. Let me tell you something. There's not one thing I wouldn't do for that kid to make him stronger, to make him better, to make him grow, to keep him safe. Because he's my child, child of Paul. All right? You are children of the Most High God. What do you think he's willing to do to make your life stronger, to get you out of problems, to get you hope, to get you freedom, to get you liberty? If I'm willing to do that for my son as a human, what is God willing to do for you as the Heavenly Father who created all things and has given you hope and given you freedom? That's who you are. But it doesn't just stop as children. And if children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That tells me that as believers, we have access to all that Jesus had access to when he was on earth. Why? Why? Why do we struggle? Well, because we believe the lies of who the enemy says we are. I am who the devil says I am. I am who the world says I am. No, 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 no. You are who God says you are. And it's time for us to understand that. You are all very special. Every one of you here today are very, very special to the Lord. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if somebody here needed to hear that special. You're very special. You may not think it, and you may never have ever told you that before. I'm here speaking for the Lord that you're special. You are special. Praise God. I feel a weight lifting off this room right now. You know, when you study and you prepare, you just write things down that come to you, and you don't think it's going to do this. I have like 45 pages of notes here I have to get through. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just kidding. I only have seven. You are very special. From the most broken... To the most holy, you are all so special to the Lord. But you may come in here with distorted views of your value because of mistakes, because of sin, because of family history, and because of anxiety in your life. But I'm here to change the narrative. I'm here to change the, what you see when you look in the mirror. Man, there's some people in our world, some people that I've met over my life that look in the mirror and hate what they see so much. 
You don't know how many teenagers I've had to talk to, and I've seen, seen marks all over their body because they're just, they're just in so much pain that they're just trying to hurt themselves and feel something. And I'm here to tell you, that's not God's best for us. I've come this morning to share the good news that you're more than all of that pain. You're more than all of that. And it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to get up and say, Lord, I believe in who you say I am. I believe that you've conquered sin and you've conquered it in my life. If you've done it for someone else, you can do it for me too. Praise God. You are not the exception to the rule of God's love. God's love is no respecter of persons, so he's not looking at you and saying, you can't have it, but you can. That's a lie. He's saying you already have it, just receive it and walk in it. In Jesus' name. You know, the Bible says this. This is who you are. We're still on who you are. You have been planned by God. Man, you are planned and thought out. Your life is not an accident. It's not a mistake. And the world would not be better if you were not here. The world is better because every one of you are breathing today. The Bible says, your eyes, in Psalm 139, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there is none of them. You know what that's saying? Before you were even a figment of your parents' imagination, the Lord wrote out your life. You were planned. Someone needs to know that today. You were planned. Some of you might be young, some of you might be old and saying, what have I done in this life? Well, I don't know what you've done in this life. From this day forward, you were planned by God, and you're ready to do something fantastic for his kingdom. The past is no longer your warden. The past is your past. Forgetting what's behind, press towards all. Why? Because we are new people in Christ. What else are you? You've been picked by God. You did not choose me, Jesus said in John 15. I chose you. And a point, you know, has anyone ever been picked last for something? Oh, someone has. Bunch of athletes in here, huh? You're like, not me. I was always the captain. Uh, that's what I was. I was always the guy picking people, you know? Well, it stinks when no one wants you. But hallelujah, you were not, you were chosen by God. You were picked by God. He comes up, Jesus said, you think that you chose me, but I chose you. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. What else did he do? You've been protected by God. Psalm 3, verse 3 to 4 says, You, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. What else? You've been pursued by God. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love and exalt over you with loud singing. You're pursued by God. You think, you think this is awesome when Danny comes up and leads us in worship and you worship God. Wait until you get the revelation that God's singing over you. Woo! That'll do something to you. That'll get you up in the morning. That'll shake off the rust of old pain and old habits. God's singing over me. God's singing over me. He's chasing after me. You see, you're special. You're special. You're not just some washed up has-been or never was. You're special. And finally, you've been purchased by God. Because <laughs> how many know without Jesus, we go to hell? Gosh, that's, that's a terrible thing. People around us all over the place are on a fast track to hell. But we have a testimony that Jesus came into our life. 
and he purchased us from what was death and gave us life. This is what the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 6. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You were purchased from God. That's right, church. Listen, you've been planned, you've been picked, you've been protected, you've been pursued, and you've been purchased by God. That tells me that you're something special. That tells me that you got something going for you today. That you're alive for a reason. Hallelujah. <laughs> Far too often the struggles we face as believers is related to our poor view of ourselves. That's where the struggle comes. You know the Bible talks about struggling with Jesus? It's not talking about having depression and fear and anxiety and worried about who we are and what we were in the past. That's not what struggling with Jesus is. Struggling with Jesus is being persecuted for our faith. So because you're struggling, don't, don't, don't believe the lie that says this is the way it needs to be because this makes you a better Christian. This pulls you away from God's destiny for you because you're settling for something that you were never meant to have. You were settling for something you were never meant to have. You're special, but sometimes we don't feel like we're special. We're righteous before God, but sometimes we don't see that. Too many of us declare falsehoods over our lives because it's all we've known. You get up in the morning and you stub your toe. Listen, listen, listen to how, listen how quickly we can defile what God made us. All right? We stub our toe. Oh, I can't, I can't do anything right. You just declared death over yourself. You just picked up an identity that you can't do anything right. You see something that you're, you're, as a husband, you see something that your wife wanted you to do, and it's been three weeks, and it's still not done. And you look at it, all these husbands are like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> a little close to home, I see. I get you. I get you. But you know what you can do as a man when you see that and you disappoint your wife? I'm such a disappointing husband. You just spoke death over your, 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 your life as a husband. Pastor Joel calls you and says, I want you to lead a, a Bible study. Oh, I can't lead a Bible study. I'm not smart enough. You just spoke death over your life. You said, I'm not smart enough. You just grabbed an identity that's not yours. When you declare these things over your life, you're receiving an identity that doesn't come from God, but comes from the enemy. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in what you speak. That's how we identify ourselves. I'm no good. I'm not this. I'm not that. I can't. I can't. I can't. I won't. I won't. I won't. You know, I, we have so much problem with addiction in our culture. We have this group in our church called Celebrate Recovery, and there's like 12 or 15 people there getting, getting help from Jesus, and it's amazing. And, and there's been a lot of things that have helped addicts over the years. But one thing that always kind of troubled me, and if, and if you went through this and it works for you, I'm not saying anything negative about the program. But when folks go to Alcoholic Anonymous and they're 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 years sober, they still declare over themselves, I'm Paul and I'm an alcoholic. But listen, listen. They do what they know how to do because they're doing it from a secular mindset. Can I tell you something? That when Jesus sets you free from alcohol, you are no longer an alcoholic. Now, you don't have to go up there arrogant and pompous and say, well, I'm Paul and I'm not an alcoholic. You know, you, know, you don't have to do that. But I'm telling you, 
When you begin to declare these things over your life, you're always leaving an open door to who you used to be. That's not who God wants you to be. And that's not who God wants you to be. I'm not talking about speaking lies or manipulating our minds to believe something that's not true. I'm talking about speaking out in faith, which is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that you haven't yet seen. You may be struggling with something right now, but instead of saying I'm worthless or I'm broken, you say my God shall supply my needs and I am whole and I am righteous and I am mighty before God. And you begin to declare the good things God put over you and watch how quickly that sin, that sickness, that thing that cannot let you go begins to fall off of you. You see freedom hit you like you never had it before. Hallelujah. I think it's time the church gets back to understanding who we are in Jesus. Here are some confessions from a guy named Kenneth Copeland. And some people don't like him. I like him a lot. Because he's a man of faith. He's a man of faith. And whenever there's a man of faith around, you want to listen to what he says. Here's just a few confessions you can live off of every day. The presence of God heavy with everything good, is upon me today in Jesus' name. This is the year of visitations, manifestations, and demonstrations. We receive signs, wonders, and miracles in our lives, our ministries, and our church in Jesus' name. This is the year of the overcomer. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Someone say amen. We are walking in the supernatural today. Health, provision, protection, and direction. And we are like trees planted by rivers of water who bear fruit in season. Our, li our leaves do not wither, and whatsoever we do shall prosper in Jesus' name. Some people, now listen, I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's just name it, claim it, blab and grab it, blah, 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 blah. And, and I agree with them. I say, yeah, exactly, because that's what God told us to do. <laughs> when you speak, you bear the fruit of what you speak. And when you speak about who God made you to be, that's what you bear fruit. When you speak about who you used to be, that's where you live. You see? It's not that you're not saved and, because you struggle. It's just that you're not living the full life that God's intended you to live because we're too connected to what we used to be. You know? People, I think God thinks very highly of us. And his word says, in all these things, in all these things we face, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. We think about what a conqueror is. I mean, they take over everything. But you're more than that. You are more than that. What the church would look like if everybody understood that they're more than a conqueror. Man, nobody could push us around. Nobody could tell us that we're not godly. Nobody could tell us that, that we can't win the loss, that we can't go up and down this road and see healings and deliverances and lives change. The reason we get held back is because we don't look at ourselves the right way. We have something, we're stuck to what we used to be, and we're going to get there. Oh, man, we're going to get there. Are we ever? Second Peter says, you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood and a holy nation of people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are special. God thinks you're special. I think you're special. Why don't we think we're special? God thinks you're special. I think you're special. Why don't we think we're special? Why don't we think that we can have it differently? Why do we think we have to struggle in debt and fear and worry and depression and anxiety and sickness and all that? Why do we feel that's our lot in life? Well, I can tell you a whole lot of things. I can tell you that our minds play tricks on us, right? 
I can tell us that our past makes us feel guilty. I can, I can tell all kinds of things that, that happen. Tell you that there's a, a jerk at your job that tells you all kinds of horrible things and gets mad at you when you make a mistake. I can tell you that some of you have been fired before because you did something wrong. I can tell all kinds of stuff that makes you feel like you're not who God wants you to be. But really, it all ultimately boils down to this one thing. There is a devil on the loose. That's where it comes down from. Now, I'm not saying the devil's knocking on everyone's door. I don't give him that kind of credit. He's only one being. He can't be everywhere. But his system is everywhere. And he's a loose. And that system is loose, attacking you every single day. Why? Be sober-minded. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We've heard that scripture before. He's looking around for someone to devour. The attack on your identity is on purpose. He is not like ready, fire, aim kind of devil. He doesn't just shoot and hope it sticks. He doesn't look at me and attacks me with like a nice cold shot of whatever. The reason I say shot of whatever is because I've never drank before. I have no idea what it is. So I'm just like, I try to say it, but then I feel like I'm a poser. <laughs> and I'm just like, it just comes out wrong. It's like a shot of tequila, tequila, whatever. You know, I'm just like, you know, whatever. But he doesn't come at me and say, here, Paul, here's this nice, filthy drink on the rocks. Looks good, doesn't it? I'm like, I'd rather have a ginger ale. You know, that's how I am. I'm just like, I'd rather have a ginger ale. It doesn't affect me. But you know, that's not how the devil operates. He doesn't just throw generic things at you. He throws the things at you that presses your buttons. That's why he attacks your identity. Because he looks at you and says, this is where you struggle, and this is who I'm going to make you. You struggle with all of this stuff. So if you, if you have a life where you've grown up and you've been... You've been self-conscious about stepping forward, he's going to get that in your head. He's going to say, like, you can't, you can't do that. You can't lead people. Just whisper it and walk away. But he's attacking your identity. Do you know why the devil attacks your identity? Because when he looks at you, he sees everything he could never be. You know that? <laughs> it's true. When he looks at you, he sees everything he could never, ever, ever, ever be. But everything he ever wanted to be. That's why he just attacks your identity. Because who you are is like... It's like that red mark in his eyes that he'll never be able to accomplish. And guess what? We got it because we were born with it. He sought after it and was cast out of heaven. What happened in Isaiah chapter 14, we read this prophetic message about a king, but also shares what the devil was. And in Isaiah 14, it brings up the five I wills of Lucifer. And when he was in heaven as the angel, God created him as an angel. And when he was up in heaven, he said, I will ascend to the throne. I will be like the Most High. I will, I will, I will. Pride entered his life, and as soon as pride entered, he was cast down. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. He wanted to be like God, and he was cast out because he wasn't created to be like God. And then, while he was just kind of simmering on this unformed planet, the Bible says that God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, everything was coming together. There were some fish, there were some birds, there were some trees, great place to hunt, but nobody to hunt. You know, nobody to do that. So like, what's going on? Day six came and it gave a little shot to the devil. Something was, he caught his eye because he saw these creatures that weren't made in God's image. He saw these fish that were just like, very simple organisms. He saw these flying creatures that didn't have anything on them that was special. But there was this dusty area in the middle of the ground where the Lord formed some legs and some arms and a chest and a head. And the Bible says he breathed his life into them. And the devil saw that and he got his attention. Why? Because everything the devil wanted, God just put right into humanity. This is why he attacks your identity. Because you are everything he can never be. Later on, God made a woman. Because, let's face it, men, we're nothing without our women. I'm nothing without my, my wife, Heather. She's at, back at church leading worship. She does better than me anyway. So I'm just like, praise God. And after everything was good, the Bible, the, the Bible says God said everything was very good and, you know, enjoy, enjoy life. Now, they had access to what? Every tree in the garden except one. So what happened? Well, the devil saw something he wanted to destroy. She was perfect. It was beautiful. <laughs> and this little slithery snake serpent thing with legs. Most scholars believe it had legs at the time. And for some reason it talked. I don't know. Maybe she ate a mushroom. I'm not sure what happened. And so the, the, the devil spoke to Eve and had this conversation with her as an attack at her identity. He said, is it true that God said you can't have any fruit from any tree in the garden? And she says, no, that's not true. God said we can have any fruit of any tree except that one in the middle. And she says, because if we eat that, we're surely going to die. And the devil said this, no, you won't surely die. God knows that if you eat it, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. <laughs> Someone say naughty. <laughs> that was great. And Eve looked at that and said, wow, that would be nice. You know what the problem was? <laughs> she already was like God. That's why we're attacked. That's why our identity is attacked. Because if the devil can make you realize that you're not like God, and you've got to try, you've got to do everything on your power, your own strength to become like God, you'll start going places you never thought you'd go. You know what Eve did? She went to a place that she never thought she would ever go. She ate the fruit that she wasn't allowed to eat because she wanted to be something she already was. That is the devil that we face. That's why the identities in our world is so confused. We have young people being told that they don't, some young people aren't even given a gender when they're born anymore because they don't know what's going on. And guys, we can, we can, get, all, like, you can, get, we can get political about that if you want outside, but right here, that's a spiritual issue. Because the identity of a human being is wrapped up in the nature of God. And when it is destroyed and distorted, it destroys and distorts the nature of God. And then what we're left with is people who want to serve God, but don't know how to get out of their own past. Don't know how to get out of what they've grown up and embraced and figured out how to just to deal with. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I went through a lot of junk, you know, you know. I'm bitter about a lot of things, but this is who I am. No, it's not who you are. You're free. 
you're free from all of that. You're free from every chain that binds you. That's what God is trying to tell you today. You're free from all of that. I've told you who you are, and I've told you who you're facing. Let me tell you how to deal with it. With one of my favorite people in the Bible. A little blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10 says this. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, this is verse 46, with his disciples, a great crowd were following him. And Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Caleb, come on up here, Bart. I started typing Bart in my notes because it's just too hard to spell Bartimaeus. I'm just like, Bart. Right, have a seat, Bart. As a matter of fact, throw one of those coats on for me, would you? Just throw one of them on. doesn't matter. They're all old, unclean. I'm just kidding. They're very clean. They haven't been worn in forever because put on the COVID-20. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Just more to love, brother. Just more to love. That's what I'm saying. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And men rebuked him, telling him to be silent, be quiet, shut your mouth, however you want to write it. But he cried all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Isn't it great when you can stop Jesus? <laughs> that's what we have. That's the power we have. Jesus, Jesus never has to walk past you again. You call on him, he stops. Because he loves you, because you're important, you're valuable. You are some, you're special. You're special. Jesus stopped and called him and said, call the blind man. And they called him saying, take heart, get up. Jesus is calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Whew, a little hot in here? Praise God. Summertime. Oh, you're going to have a lot more than that on in a second. <laughs> this is Michaela. Love this kid. So Bartimaeus is pretty amazing because he's you and me. He's you and me. What do I mean by that? Well, in those days, some of you may not know this, but in those days, beggars and, and, and blind people, sick people, lepers, they all wore clothing signifying who they were. It was like a scarlet, like a scarlet letter, you know, when someone's an adulterer in some, certain places. Well, he had a beggar's coat. So when everybody walked by him, they saw the beggar's coat, and they knew that he was a blind beggar. He wore this coat as an identifying marker. It was his identity, the coat. I can imagine this coat was raggedy, dirty, broken. It was also the only way he could survive. It was like giving him just enough to survive, which is basically what happens when we believe the wrong identity about ourselves. It gives us just enough to survive, and we move on. Isn't that sinister? But that's what happens. This was Bartimaeus. Every day, getting up in the morning, what am I going to wear, Martha? <laughs> well, you could wear this nice silk outfit or maybe this full-length robe. No, maybe you should put on your beggar's coat because that's all you are. So every day he gets up, maybe with the dream and the thought, I can be something more today. But as soon as he slips that coat on, he's just a beggar. 
That's all he is. You may have a dream. You may say, I want to be a business owner. But every day you get up, you slip on that I'm not good enough coat. You slip on that coat that says, I can't own my own business. I can't run my own business. You may say, I want to be free from addiction. But every time you get up, you throw that on and say, I need my fix. I need my alcohol. I need my smoke. I need, I need, I need, I need. And you define yourself by what you think you need. That's Bartimaeus. See, stand up, Bartimaeus. See, we take, the problem with us is we don't just put one coat on. <laughs> we put multiple coats on. Because McCaleb, McCaleb had a struggle here when he was in high school. A big struggle. I was there. I talked to him about it. He, you know, ignored me. But that's okay. <laughs> Time to pay back. <laughs> I saw McCaleb as a man of God who can do great things. You now, McCaleb is waiting on a miracle still. Which one? This eye? So, Caleb can't see out of this eye. He's waiting on a miracle. Do you know what the enemy started telling him? He said, God doesn't really love you because he's not healing your eye. And he put on a coat and says, God doesn't care about me as much as everybody else because he won't heal me. I could never be what I want to be in life because I can't see out of that eye. And he put on a coat, and that was his identity. But then it was like, I'm going to be rebellious and do what I want, and, you know, and it's good, whatever. So he just puts on another coat. And he says, I'm going to like do this. And what happens is we get so heavy with the burden of this world and the heat of this room. We get so just burdened down by the things we think we have to be. You understand what I'm saying? This is not about McCaleb only. It's about you and me as believers and as people who don't know Jesus yet. We put on coats to define what we can and can't do. So everybody knows when we walk by, well, there's the loser. There's the minimum wage. There's the broken person. There's the guy on medication. There's the guy who can't, who can't seem to put it together, can't keep a relationship together. And these are all things that we identify ourselves with and we carry with them wherever we go. We go to church, we go to school, we go home, we go to our family, we go to our job, and we carry it everywhere we go. And it's heavy, and it's heavy. And then what happens? Then what happens? He comes to church one day, and he says, wow, this Jesus sounds good. This Jesus sounds really, really good. I would love to be a new man. So what happens is, Caleb comes to the altar, and he says, Jesus, he says, Jesus, I love what you're telling me I am. And I'm going to receive it in Jesus' name. But what happens here, and I want you to understand this. This is, this is, this is going to be weird maybe for some. I don't care. All right? What happens to some of us believers? And if you don't know Christ right now, I want you to listen very closely because God wants to change your life forever. So you never have to go down this road. What happens is Jesus, that's me, <laughs> takes off his robe, if I can, there we go. Who knew the COVID-20 went into my arms? <laughs> Crazy. And he wraps his coat around. And so he's different. He's covered by the blood of Jesus, by the power of God, 
And for a while, man, this feels awesome. I feel new. People look at me and people think differently of me. But then he goes home after a week of this and he remembers the, the thick weight of his past. And he remembers the thick weight of his struggle, of, of, of the healing that he still wants and still hasn't gotten. And obviously it's because he doesn't have enough faith or obviously because God doesn't want him to heal. He wants other people to heal but not me. And so that goes on him as well. And so even though he's a Christian, and even though, like this, he can struggle his way right into the pearly gates. Go ahead and struggle. Go ahead. Try to get there. Oh, now fall. Now fall. And crawl. And crawl. He's crawling. He's crawling his way. And then the rapture happens and he's saved. And the Lord sits, sits with him in heaven, just chills out with him and says, Caleb, you know it didn't have to be this way, right? That's what I want you to understand. It doesn't have to be this way. Now. Stand up, Michaela. Give me my coat. One of my coats. I want to read, read the story of Blind Bartimaeus again as Danny and Hannah, whoever's coming back up, come on up and get, and get, get playing. Give me some good, uh, some good Jesus music. I preach better. I preach better when there's music in the background. She, she oh, that was mean. I'm going to put more coats on you, boy. He just said... You know, I said I preach better with music. He said you, she should have been playing the whole time then. <laughs> Anybody got any coats I can borrow? <laughs> this is fun, right? Church is fun. When you break free from something that you've had you for a long time, church becomes fun. You know what happens when you don't? Church, Jesus, all of that. It just becomes another weight that you don't know how to handle. You know this is good. You know it works for so many people, but why is it just weighing me down? It's because we haven't dealt with all the other things. I want to read Mark 10 again. Watch this. Blind Bartimaeus might have been blind, but he sees more clearly than most of us. Especially after Jesus healed him, then he actually did see clearly. And they came to Jericho. And he was, as he was leaving Jericho, Jesus... With his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then all the religious people, all the people who were around him said, quiet, he has no time for you. Just add him to his coat collection. But then he didn't care. All the more, the Bible says, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then Jesus stopped, called him, and they called the blind man saying, Take heart, get up. Jesus is calling you. That's all they said. That's all they said. Get up, Jesus is calling you. What you probably missed because you didn't know where I was going was the very next line. Here's the next line. You ready? And throwing off his cloak... He sprang up and came to Jesus. A blind beggar who had no hope understood that Jesus was about to change not only his soul, but his very identity. Listen to me. Whatever cloaks and coats and heaviness you bear, whatever it is, it's time for you to lay them at the feet of Jesus. 
And when you come into the presence of God as a broken soul, as somebody that has no hope, and you don't know Jesus, you don't have to leave carrying what you used to be. You can leave carrying something new. And then you can throw it to the ground and say, I'm no longer a junkie. I'm no longer depressed. I'm no longer uh, upset, putting, putting, putting God in a box. I'm no longer just somebody who's bitter towards my family. I'm no longer afraid at night. I'm no longer anxious about tomorrow. I'm no longer, I'm no longer, I'm no longer. And then you know what happens? When Jesus puts his robe on you, it's no longer heavy. It's no longer heavy. It's no longer driving you to feel like you're not good. It's no longer you come into church and say, how come they get it and I don't get it? Why? Because you have said to the Lord, this is who I used to be. But I read this morning in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The old is kicked away. The old is cast into the fire and burnt. And you are all brand new. You can pull the plastic right off of you. That's how new you are. Praise God. Thanks, man. I'll, I'll, I'll get it after. Praise God. I struggle when I see people who know Jesus holding on to what they used to be. And I struggle when I see people who don't know Jesus grasping on to who, who they think they are. And I see pain. And I see sorrow. I see worry. Man, when I moved to Maine, I was, I was living in Providence, Rhode Island area at the time. I thought coming to Maine, a small country area, you know, our town of our church has 1,100 people, maybe even less. You guys know what that's like. I thought I'd come here and everybody will just be happy and they'll be kind and just simple living. Never did I realize that this area was going to be a hotbed for drug addiction, for, for, for hatred, for bitterness. Everything that we saw in any major city in the world, we see in Maine. Why? Because we don't let go of who we were. We don't let go of who the devil tells us we are. I'm here to tell you today that if you commit your life to Christ and you lay down your past, you lay down your problems. You lay down your worries. You lay down everything that's telling you you can't do this. You lay it at the cross. You tell Jesus that you're done with it. And you pick up the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you watch how God changes your life every day a little bit better. Instead of going from pain to pain to a little bit of hope to more pain, you go from glory to glory to glory to glory and faith to faith to faith to faith. Who am I? I'm a child of the Most High. Who are you? You're a child of the Most High God. You don't have to carry any of that junk anymore. Blind Bartimaeus taught us something. When Jesus calls, leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Praise God. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. I'm going to ask if there's anybody here that doesn't know the Lord. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Your whole life has been just trying to figure out who you are and what's going on. And you know the struggle. You felt the struggle. You felt the struggle of trying to figure out who you are, what's going on. 
And it's not fun. It's not been easy. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is about to simplify your life. Lay down what all the pains and the mistakes and the past that you have and pick up something new from Jesus. I want to pray with you. The Bible says that every human being was born a sinner. And that sin separates us from God. And that sin will lead us to a real place called hell. But Jesus Christ came and took that punishment for us on the cross 2,000 years ago when he died. But after he died, praise the Lord, he rose from the grave and defeated death, hell, and that very grave. And so when you commit to Jesus, you're simply saying, Lord, I, I accept that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes, and that I'm imperfect. But I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I confess that you are alive and well and Lord of my life. That's all it is. And so if you want to start over with Jesus today, you want to rip off the old and pick up the new from God, I want to pray with you in this building. I don't know everybody here. I don't know if anybody here is even, even not serving the Lord. But if you're not serving the Lord or you're far from God, I want to pray with you today. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor Paul, I want to give my life to Christ. Go ahead and raise your hand. I want to give my life to Christ today. Just raise your hand. I want to give my life to Christ. Praise God. Anybody at all? Give my life to Jesus Christ right here in this place. Hallelujah. Now I want to ask another question. How many believers we got here? Go ahead. If you believe in Jesus, you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, raise your hand. Go ahead and raise your hand. Praise God. That's awesome. How many believers here still struggle with identifying with identities from the past? Who say, I struggle with that? I want everybody who, oh my gosh, this, this, this is the right day. I want you all to stand up to your feet. I want you to stand up to your feet. I want you to look around. First of all, I want you to understand you're not alone. So don't think that you're a failure as a believer. What you are right now is taking charge. And you're about to lay down something. Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with us, don't hesitate to visit us in person at our Down East location in Sullivan, Maine. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Have the best week you've ever had.